0: welcome to the Open Labour Podcast. My name is James Gibson and I'm joined today by Josie Parkhouse. Hi Josie, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, not bad. How are you James?
0: I'm okay, I'm tired. It's by-election week, isn't
1: it? Yeah.
0: It's been a slog. Have you managed to get to any?
1: No, (laughs) but we've had our um, our organiser has been sent far and wide.
0: You shouldn't have admitted to that Josie, you should have lied and said that you've been there every day.
1: It is it is a bit far. Everywhere's far from Devon. That's the issue. Is it is, it?
0: isn't it? It's a nightmare to get yeah. to. It's one of its and, virtues, yeah. but obviously it comes with problems when you're fighting by-elections, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been over at Selby and Ainsley quite a bit. Going pretty well, you know? Yeah? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the polls might be right. So we we're recording this on Monday the 17th. Obviously, it's polling day on Thursday the 20th. Uh, It might be my famous last words, but I think it's going very, very well. I'm really surprised at how people are reacting. They hate the Tories. That's good.
1: Yeah, that is good. Yeah,
0: And it does lead us on nicely, actually, to what we're talking about today, which is the NHS 75th birthday. So happy birthday, NHS.
1: Yeah, happy belated birthday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're a few days out of date. We always are, aren't we?
1: But yeah, still, it's the year, isn't it?
0: It it's is 75th well, all other absolutely all the other podcasters though they you know they probably do it professionally they get paid for having time off to do their podcast we've got to squeeze it in in between council meetings that's our problem
1: yeah exactly, exactly.
0: anyway we're here now and we're going to talk about the NHS and why I said it was apt that we've just been talking about Selby and people's reaction to the Tories is because we're going to kick off by asking a simple question really does the public still love the NHS and what do we think their views are? What's your what's your feeling from being out on the doorstep, talking to people in the community, talking to your constituents and talking as well to Tory councillors and the like? What do you think? I think 100%
1: that the British public still love the NHS. Yeah, I heard someone say recently, it's like almost this uh, religion in the UK that we love the NHS. It's so ingrained. And I don't think that's going anywhere. But I think there has been a bit of a shift in the way people think in terms of, Mm. you know, especially the impact of COVID. Obviously, there was all this clapping for the NHS staff, but not a lot of action from national government in terms of making their lives, NHS staff's lives better. And and that's sort of come home to roost almost. And um, I think it's led to a lot of people who are facing sort of life and death decisions to sort of turn away from the NHS, but not, no one I've spoken to who's done that, has done that out of a dislike for the NHS. It's, it's, it's a really difficult situation for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I I agree. I think there's, it's worrying actually. So many people now on the doorstep saying that they've had to get private provision pay for private provision which is it's just so wrong especially when people are struggling so much as well you know people that are that need elective surgery you know hip cataracts that sort of thing opting now for private provision taking out loans to get private healthcare provision because the nhs waiting times have gone up i mean you know some people are waiting for hips or knees for three and a half years you know, elective surgery under the last Labour government. I can't remember what the target was, but it was, I think it was 12 months, was it? Maybe it was less than that, I don't know. It was certainly, I'm not a health expert as, as neither of us are, but it was certainly a lot less than three and a half years. It's really impacting on people's lives. You know, It sounds like a, a small thing to need a knee operation or a hip. It isn't life or death, but if you're an active person, Being in pain, not being able to to go out on those walks or those runs or even, you know, play with your grandkids or whatever it might be, has a huge impact on your life. And that has a knock on effect to your health as well. So that's worrying. The other thing as well is it is coming up in conversation more and more, especially from Tory voters and Tory councillors. I mean, in my council, we do have a lot of crossover with given the status of our council with the NHS. We work very closely with the NHS. Our public health services are, are, are paid for, or, well, a part of the council. Obviously, we provide adult social services as well. So there's a huge crossover, and we talk about the NHS a lot. And at the last council meeting, there was a white paper on the NHS. It wasn't just on the NHS, actually. It was on on Leeds City Council becoming a marmot city, which I'm sure we'll talk about much more later because it's a passion of mine. But the Tories were talking about the st- about the same old things that they've been talking about for the past five or ten years. Can we afford to pay for the NHS? We can't carry on like this. The bill keeps going up and up and services are getting worse. Therefore, we really need to think about reform. And for reform for them is all about whether or not was the individuals, the public, pay more money through insurance for the NHS and have a, I guess, for for those guys, the Tories, a sort of N- a USA-style system is what, what they're after, what they see with private provision. I suppose it's ingrained into con- the Conservative Party ideology, isn't it, to sort of look at the private sector for all their, for
1: yeah. all their solutions. And that terrifies K- me. Um, I lived in the US for four years. And it was bizarre. I remember having discussions with Amer- like, uh, Americans about about the NHS and about, you know, having a health service that you don't have to, you know, free at the point of use and the concept of it. And they were sort of saying, well, most of the time, it's these people, you know, it's it's sort of the fault of the individual. And so <laughs> it makes sense for them to have to pay. That was sort of their mindset. And it's like amazing how the um, the principles that you base your health system on, I think, do trickle down into the way that the culture forms and the way people think about healthcare, care. And, and yeah. so in America, it is a lot more common to have the argument of, well, you know, if you're smoking and eating a bad diet, then you're going to get sick. And it's why should I pay for you because you've got sick? And rather than <laughs> the fact that, like you say, a lot of people will interact with the health system in their life. Everyone, you know, is born, everyone dies, everyone gets sick at some point in their life. Um, and it's sort of in the UK, it's much more there, but the grace of God go I kind of feeling of, mm. well, that could be us, you know. And and I've yeah. got my younger brother has got, has got a chronic illness and I've spoken to him about... Um, oh, why don't you go and travel in America and, you know, go and live? And, you know, he wants to go and experience another culture. But for him, it would just be so risky and unaffordable because he wouldn't be able to get insurance because he has an underlying condition. And then he'd have to pay for his sort of medication and things. And it would cost so much money that it's just um, unattainable. And so it is scary to me to think that people... Idealize that system and and see it as a as an option for us, well, especially yeah, when I mean, it's such
0: a false economy as well. I mean, what what the Tories never talk about is how much the USA spend on healthcare. I mean, go on, uh, hazard a guess how much the USA spend on healthcare as a proportion of their GDP.
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: Well, I thought you were going to snap back straight yeah, away and I don't you know. give me the figure. I Thought you'd done the research and you'd um, know
1: <laughs> how much they spend. Like the government spends, you mean, on health care? Yeah. yeah. A tiny amount, I would imagine, but I don't know. Yeah, go on.
0: Oh, no, they spend more than anybody else in the world. They spend 16.7% wow. of their GDP, or as a proportion of their GDP, yeah. rather. Okay, so again, the Tories talk about this unsustainable cost of the NHS. We talk about it all the time. The UK spends actually not that much compared to France, Germany, and other similar countries we're we're relatively far down in the ranking in terms of how much we spend um,
1: yeah and i also only just learned that the nhs is i think the fifth largest employer in the world Mm. which is crazy like i think it's only beaten by walmart and mcdonald's and the (laughs) chinese like civil service or something and it's that's a crazy statistic that sort of it it not only shows what we get for the money we put into the NHS in terms of workforce and the amount of people everyone knows someone who works in the NHS don't they but it also is shows I guess how big the task is ahead of any government in terms of what the solution is to some of the problems that 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 are clearly there in the NHS
0: and yeah we'll definitely move on to that about solutions and again i want to point out the marmot city stuff later on but just to go back to that percentage of gdp spending so the uk this is before the pandemic and it's gone up but you would imagine that other countries spending given the pandemic will have gone up as well so in 2019 the uk spent 9.9 percent Um, as a proportion of GDP compared to 16.7, as we've heard, for the US and 11.7 for Germany. I think Germany comes second and then there's France and a few other countries before us. And you would say that our healthcare system is is the marvel of the world. It might not be at the moment in the sense that it isn't performing as it should be. But for me, that's largely due to underinvestment because of the Tories, which leads us on nicely to actually the state of the NHS under the Tories. So Josie, you've been looking at strikes, haven't you? What's going on with the strikes and where are we? Because this is completely unprecedented, isn't it? I mean, we've got junior doctors and, and consultants. Everybody's out on strike at the moment and you can't blame them either.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's quite a complicated picture, but essentially at the moment this week, at you know, the time of recording, later this week, Thursday and Friday, the consultants will go on strike and we've just seen a week of strikes by uh junior doctors as well and so yeah i mean it's an unprecedented time i think the offer of uh 6% was accepted by some unions but not all of the unions and and you know it's one of those things that joe public might hear oh 6% that sounds that's great they've got a pay rise but actually it's below inflation and you know we hear of nurses and NHS staff having to use food banks and it it's just not really kept a pace with the rising cost of living that we're all seeing. And I think people who are put in those situations where they're caring for people that are under a lot of stress, they're working really hard, really long hours, and they shouldn't have to worry about, you know, oh can I afford my children's school uniform or to um heat my house this winter. So I think it's really a shameful position for the Tory government to find themselves in. And just a real a real symptom of the illness, which I guess is a good analogy, apt analogy, <laughs> of the state of the NHS at the moment under the Tories.
0: Yeah, totally. And I saw a terrifying statistic the other day that nearly one in 10 NHS staff has left the NHS since last September. Not sure how true that was. It was in the Guardian, but that would explain a lot, wouldn't it? And it makes sense, doesn't it? When you think about how much nurses earn, I mean, come on, being a nurse is one of the toughest jobs you can do. I mean, just even just the fact of how emotionally draining it must be to go and look after people when you know a lot of the time, a lot of the people that you look after may may pass away or you know or end up with really Mm. debilitating lifelong injuries or health conditions or whatever I mean that but it's it's the hours it's the fact that there's less and less staff now so it's more intense the public's really frustrated with the NHS and patient satisfaction's down to its lower lowest in history which of course has a knock-on effect in the way that patients are with you and all that for Essentially, I mean, starting salary is about 26000 But I think a, a, a nurse on the top of band five is on like 33, which sounds OK. But if you're a single mom with two kids, £33,000 a year is not going a long way these days with the cost of, cost of living crisis. For example, I talked about in a previous podcast in an area that I, I represent, an area called Swarcliffe, ex-council houses um, that have, have been bought up and are now privately let, you know, you pay £950 a month so when you, you think about that's just your rent and you've got two kids you can see very much see how nurses could easily be using food banks or struggling to put shoes on the kids feet it's it's obvious that that's happening and when you're doing that sort of job I mean do you really want a nurse who's who's looking after you in yeah. A&E to be worrying or, exactly. n- or not at because they've, they've had to they've made the decision to feed the kids or to put the heating on and they've not at when they are coming to work I mean it's an absolute disgrace
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah they go rant over but yeah it's so, okay so the as well we know what's happening with the strikes Uh, what else is going on we talked about patient satisfaction down to lowest in history lots of people leaving what else is there going on waiting times Mm. I mean all waiting times are a mess at the moment aren't they I must say that people that I speak to that have um, had cancer diagnoses and including my mother who, who had cancer relatively recently a couple of years ago now and she's doing very well they speak very highly about the NHS and the cancer services you know they kick in really quickly um, it's really professional I think Wes Streeting talked about his own experience didn't he as well of having cancer and how good it was but even that where public uh, satisfaction or patient satisfaction with cancer services is pretty high but the target of of, I think it's a target of 85% of people are meant to be seen within two months for definitive treatment. The Tories haven't hit that since 2013. So even a, a, an area of the NHS where the public perception is is doing pretty well um, is still not hitting the targets. And that's before you even go into things like um, urgent surgeries, cancellations up by 11.9%. And, you know, most people find it really difficult to see a GP and ambulance times are down. I and mean, the whole thing is... It is just awful and and forget about talking about NHS dentists because
1: (laughs) or mental health services yeah it's yeah and and yeah I mean we've got a real problem in back to NHS dentists yeah we you can't do it in Devon I don't know if it's like that in the whole of the UK but literally um in Exeter it's just not possible to get on an uh, NHS dentist just like gold dust they don't yeah there's like you know you have to wait years to get even
0: 90% of NHS dentists aren't accepting new patients at the moment I'm really fortunate I've got one so I keep up with my uh, checkups I'm not getting struck off (laughs) yeah
1: but yeah Um, I mean I think waiting times for everything is is almost the highest isn't it if not the highest that you know we've ever seen waiting times and and like, like you said earlier it's it is it is people's lives and people do worry it's you know they've got Um, And and the issue is also that similar to sort of social care, it's like it's it's a it's a crisis. You get to a crisis point rather than dealing with something early during this waiting time that those issues aren't going away. Um, And a lot of the times Mm. they're getting worse. So it's a real um, underlying problem that, yeah, obviously we don't have enough sort of resources in terms of staffing. To deal with, but part of that is because of the retention that's so awful that you've already sort of alluded to.
0: Yeah, 10% drop since September. Crazy. I mean, let's contrast that then to Labour's record in government. I mean, the first thing to say is do you think we have a good record in government? Well, I know we have a good record in government, so that's not the right question to ask. Do you think the public thinks we have a decent record in government?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's in- it is a really interesting point, I think, because clearly the numbers show that Labour in power did, did make a difference and does make a difference. I think the interesting thing for me is that I don't think we sing and shout enough about the fact that the NHS is there because of, you know, of us and yeah, the Labour Party. So I think it's something that we to push more. And I think we have been doing that recently. I've seen, I feel like it's, it has sort of come up, especially Looking at these anniversaries and and things like that, but yeah, it's a good question. I mean, guessing you've got some statistics in front of you for Labour's record. In, in
0: oh, I got statistics. Yeah. Oh, go I've got Statistics coming out of my ears, but <laughs> I wanted to make the point first that I'm really frustrated actually of being on the doorstep so so much and so many people turning around and saying that politics doesn't change anything. The apathy that's out there at the moment. The things yeah. that I throw about people. I said you think the nhs changed things They're like yeah of course it did well, what do you think set up the nhs <laughs> you know does does really, that set up the yeah. nhs so you can't say that the the politics doesn't change anything you're all the same i'm hearing again at the moment i mean it's a tory tactic at the moment isn't it sort of to that politics yeah. is, is so poor at the moment you know the level of scandal that the tory party are embroiled in the i think their tactic now is to just taint us all with the same brush Torres, all with the same brush rather Yeah, Um, and it's
1: working unfortunately I think I'm finding the same down here That, and I think it's also just years and years of conservative rule you do get worn down and you get to the point where you think well it's sort of hopeless and it is sort of we're in this situation and everyone it feels like nothing can change but as you say things can change and Labour government would do that
0: well let's go to some of the Labour achievements then and obviously we're talking about the 1997 to 2010 achievement so gp services target was 48 hours huge success i think it was just like getting up to 90 percent of people were able to see if not more a gp within 48 hours i mean now it's it's two weeks isn't it if you look if you're lucky 48 hours was back then and that's what we we're able to achieve access to hospitals and sort of elective care and treatment Target was 18 weeks, which we often hit again up in the 90s.
1: This is from an independent audit of the NHS under Labour, and it said that the target was 98% of accident and emergency patients are uh, you know, discharged within four hours yeah so we achieved 96 which is you know amazing compared to 98.3 oh,
0: percent I mean, in the last year of the Labour government ah great people and being I, I mean, seen within
1: four hours yeah I mean I've gone to A&E and had to wait sort of six hours and that's one of the difficulties as well is that you know with this 111 system so I heard a GP say that GPs can actually deal with about 90 percent of all sort of ailments that people would go in to see the GPs about but because no one could get a GP appointment a lot of people as I said are sort of getting to the crisis point and then they call 111 of course what does 111 say go to A&E or go to your you know urgent care and then these are all the places with the really long hours of waiting to see someone to that could have been dealt with by a GP quite competently but yeah it's it's a really frustrating system for people who use it and and I'm sure for the A&E staff as well who who um, rightly probably are seeing a lot of patients who could be could have been dealt with not in a and E.
0: I know It's not all about money, but a labour statistic, which I really like, which is, so the Tories always say that they're spending more on the NHS. And indeed, they are year on year, they are spending more. I mean, during the coalition years, the average was 1.1% more spending per year. The Tories after the coalition years, it was 1.2. And then 2018 to to where we are now, it's about 3.4%, which sounds like quite a bit. But if you contrast that to... Since the 1950s, the average has been 4.1%. So it's a huge cut, even from there. But in the peak of Labour powers back in 2003, we were spending 8.9% annual increase on the NHS. So when the Tories say that they're spending more on the NHS, it's disingenuous because obviously with population growth and an ageing population as well, we've always had to spend more per year. The the thing that strikes me the most, the the indictment of, of where we are as for health provision in our country is the fact for the first time in a hundred years now life expectancy for some people the poorest in our society the bottom 10 percent of people of women actually specifically life expectancy is actually now reversed it's gone backwards for the first time in a hundred years i mean if that's not an indictment on a government i don't know what is so from year on year from when they started recording life expectancy it went up up and up as you would expect with better healthy lifestyles and you know less smoking advancements in medical science etc it went up and up and now it's now it's reversed.
1: I wonder how much of that is linked to sort of this cost of living crisis and I guess more the more general issues with with health inequalities is we are going to talk about this with the uh, I'm going to get say it wrong the marmot stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah marmot. yeah you're right michael marmot. i thought you so said marmite marmot. at first we're, we're gonna be a marmite <laughs> city i was like that's fantastic no marmot um I, yeah that I... you know that it's just more expensive to be um choose healthier options it's it's becoming you know when people are in living under the poverty line they're not necessarily in a privileged position to make choices like buying lots of fresh fruit and vegetables and having time to prepare all that and things like that that and having time to go and exercise and things like that you know we know that do help people live longer i wonder how much of it is linked to that well it's all
0: linked to that that's exactly what it's all about it's really interesting actually because speaking to some of the tories in the in the council I sat in the Addison Health Scrutiny Board and I sort of sat there aghast when a couple of the Tories asked the same question, like, why does poverty lead to poorer health outcomes? I was like, surely everybody must know the reason for this. Like, surely you must know that there's a direct correlation between poverty and health outcomes. It's obvious because it's much more expensive to buy healthy food. It's almost impossible with such poor public transport to be able to get out to things like the Yorkshire Dales or the Peaks if you live in Leeds and be able to live those healthy, active lifestyles. It might be impossible to even get to your local football club or your local netball club or badminton club or whatever it might be. You might not even have the money to be able to afford to pay the fees in the first place. And that's not even taking into consideration the fact that you're probably working long hours to try and make ends meet and you're struggling to find childcare so that means you've got less time on your hands to be able to in the first place to be able to take part in those healthy activities like just these Tories were sat there in a in a privileged position it's certainly middle class people living in affluent areas of Leeds with access to cars green spaces all around them and no doubt eat very healthy balanced diet saying not being able to understand why there's a link between poor health outcomes and poverty Now, that's what we are trying to tackle as a city in Leeds with our newly launched Marmot City agenda. Yeah, tell me about it. Oh, I can't wait to tell you all about it. It's a big thing for me. I absolutely love Sir Michael Marmot and, and what he's trying to achieve. He's basically saying that... Health outcomes are not just about health care. Now, this seems pretty obvious and it's an easy thing to say, but it's about the really big p- picture. It's about looking at it holistically for all the reasons that I've just said. So having active travel routes to be able to get to sports centres and having the amenity of sports centres in the first place is a huge boon for those communities that have them. Being able to have good public transport to be able to get to those places, being able to have access again through active travel or through local public transport to a good quality, high paid job that you enjoy is important social housing, making sure that it's a good quality with green spaces, all those things are really important. And I'm just scratching on the surface here on on the things that he talks about. It's a real holistic look of health outcomes and the opportunities that healthy people tend to have over those unhealthy people now of course obviously there's an element of human agency in all of this and you know not everybody's going to decide to walk to the local football pitch and play football every night just because they've got a football pitch at the end of the road and they can cycle there safely but if you deny people or whole communities those opportunities then you see poorer health outcomes and and it's certainly something that I saw in my professional career as well you know somebody who is stressed out working in a job that they hate I mean it's it's obvious what that leads to if you hate your job you're living in 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 a and an awful rented property that's falling to bits because you've got a terrible landlord then you know that leads to things like drinking too much and comfort eating eating unhealthily even smoking and all of those things you lack motivation if you're depressed and tired to be able to go and play sport and get involved in sport and that pressure goes on to your children and your family as well who have worse outcomes in education yeah. and things like that yeah so but what Michael Marmot's saying is your primary school and being able to get there safely and having a good primary school that understands about mental health and giving children the best start in life is just as important as having plenty of doctors. And I think Labour's really embracing that, actually, to be honest. They have talked about health outcomes and Marmot approaches in the past and in their the recent announcements. They're not explicitly saying it, actually, in, 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 in a lot of the conversations they come out with, but a lot of the things that they're talking about... So they're talking about health outcomes and social housing. That's Marmot. They're talking about health outcomes... And active travel, that's Marmot stuff as well. So I think we're on the right lines. And and I think it gives us real hope for the future. But there's other stuff as well that the Labour Party is saying that, that is more focused on primary healthcare, like training 5,000 more health visitors a year through cutting the non-don tax, tripling, quadrupling the amount of GPs that we train and nurses that we train, and it's yeah. 10,000 that they want to train. That's all positive stuff. And also yeah. increasing our budget year on year to a, to a level that it needs to, to, yeah. um, to meet I, the new demands.
1: Yeah, having that sort of Long-term vision, I think, is really important for Labour because a lot of these things aren't going to be, you know, I, I'm i hopeful that we will win the general election next year and, and I'm just concerned that people will think, oh, well, it is the same under Labour because they'll expect, like, a really quick fix and I don't think a lot of these things do have quick wins. I think um, it's really um, sensible to have this, I think they came out with, like, a 10-year Plan, and I think that's a really yeah. sensible approach because these things are long term, but they're so important that we can't get sort of caught up in these short short term ways of thinking in politics that are sort of very endemic, aren't they? And and the NHS isn't one of those things that it, you know we can't move. We don't want to move the seats on a sinking ship. We need to actually look at the problems from the grassroots and look up. and I really love this marmot. I'm going to look more into it. Um, because we're do. a we're a district council, so we don't have responsibility for sort of public health or social. And Your
0: Exeter council, just to remind, yeah, Exeter
1: council, but we do have. Um, so until recently, I was the portfolio holder or lead councillor for physical activity um, and leisure. So we do have some city council leisure centres, mm. um, but you know it would be I think always moving towards more holistic models for these things because it's understanding that people don't exist in isolation like you say it's all very interconnected it's you know if people don't have work then that often leads to them having mental health issues um over a long period or if they don't you know and and so we need a system I think I'd love to see Labour have yeah have more policies geared towards that understanding of the holistic nature that we need. Yeah. The health is not just the NHS, is it it's like you say, it's it's public transport, it's schools, it's education, it's work, it's all of these things um are linked to our health. And yeah, we can't just throw money at the problem and expect it to be fixed. It there's a lot of things that need changing. But I love this marma. Yeah, it'd be great if labor officially
0: <laughs> officially adopt it. I yeah. think they are they have an all but name, to be honest. So I have I have real hope for the future of our health services, public health writ large, rather than just the NHS. And the NHS obviously will be a huge beneficiary of that because 'cause it'll take yeah. a lot of lot of pressure off them. There's also Absolutely. stuff as well in the Labour Party, um well, it's not the manifesto. Obviously, we're nowhere near a manifesto yet, but, so, but the Labour Party's narrative and communications that are coming out around community-based services, getting people out of hospitals and all that. But that's been on the agenda for a long time and talked about. I don't necessarily think that that's as important as the holistic, interconnected stuff that we've been talking about. I think that's um, more headline grabbing, to be, to be honest with you.
1: Well, I don't know, because I think, you know, if we think back, going to the theme of today, 75 years ago if we think about like the life expectancy of someone who lived then is vastly different. The 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 sort of health issues that those people are facing are so different to the health issues that most people face today, which are linked with people living longer, really. So I think it is important to look at what we can do more to sort of support people in home rather than in hospital and, and things like that. You're right,
0: Josie. Tories have been doing that, to be fair, with my professional hat on. They've been doing that for a long time. There's been a big push towards community care. So I'm not sure how much further that's going to be pushed and whether Labour has a completely new model of thinking on that. But still, I think the NHS will be certainly be here in a hundred years' time, as long as we have grown up politics, shifting away from this sort of populism, quick fix solution, chuck money at it, everything will be okay, or we or we need a, an insurance scheme like the USA. It's got to be grown up politics, thinking with a with a long view to how we really tackle health outcomes in this country. And and Labour's got the answer. So I'm hopeful. As long as we win the next election.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, thank you very much, Josie. We've got a minute oh, left, so I'm you, going to say thank you James. very yes. much for your time. You it's too. been lovely talking to you, yeah. you as too. always. Thanks, James. And see you very soon.
1: Yeah, thank you.